Chapter 3. I guess I figure out I was different a little at a time. Since I had never had trouble thinking or remembering, it actually sort of surprised me that I couldn't do stuff, and it made me angry. My father brought home a stuffed cat for me when I was really little, less than a year old, I'm sure. It was white and soft and just the right size for chubby baby fingers to pick up. I was sitting in one of those baby carriers on the floor, strapped in and safe, as I checked out my world of green shag carpet and matching sofa. My mom placed the toy cat in my hands, and I smiled. Here, Melody, Daddy brought you a play pretty, she cooed in that high-pitched voice that adults use with children. Now, what's a play pretty? As if it's not hard enough figuring out real stuff, I have to figure out the meanings of made-up words. But I loved the soft coolness of the little cat's fur. Then it fell on the floor. Dad placed it in my hands the second time. I really wanted to hold it and hug it, but it fell on the floor once more. I remember I got mad and started to cry. Try again, sweetie, Dad said, sadness decorating the edges of his words. You can do it. My parents placed the cat in my hands again and again, but every single time my little fingers could not hold it and it tumbled back down to the carpet. I did my own share of tumbling onto that rug. I guess that's why I remember it so well. It was green and ugly when you looked up at it up close. I think shag carpeting was outdated even before I was born. I had lots of chances to figure out how the threads of a rug were woven as I lay there waiting for someone to pick me up. I couldn't roll over, so it was just an irritation to me. The shag rug, the smell of spilled sour soy milk in my face until I got rescued. My parents would prop me up on the floor with pillows on either side of me when I wasn't in the baby seat but I'd see a sunbeam coming through the window, turn my head to watch the little dust things that floated in it, and bam, I'd be face first on the floor. I'd shriek. One of them would pick me up, quiet me, and try to balance me better within the cushions. Still, I'd fall again in a few minutes. But then Dad would do something funny, like try to jump like a frog we were watching on Sesame Street. It would make me giggle, and I'd fall over again, and I didn't want to fall or even mean to. I couldn't help it. I had no balance at all. None. I didn't understand at the time, but my father did. He would sigh and pull me up into his lap. He'd hug me close and hold up the little cat or whatever toy I'd seemed to be interested in so I could touch it. Even though he sometimes made up his own vocabulary, Dad never spoke baby talk to me like my mother did. He always spoke to me as if he were talking to a grown-up, using real words and assuming I would understand him. He was right. Your life is not going to be easy, little Melody, he'd say quietly. If I could switch places with you, I'd do it in a heartbeat. You know that, don't you? I just blinked, but I got what he meant. Sometimes his face would be wet with tears. He'd take me outside at night and whisper in my ear about the stars and the moon and the night wind. The stars are up there putting on a show just for you, kid, he'd say. Look at that amazing display of sparkle and feel that wind. It's trying to tickle your toes. And during the day, he would sometimes take off all the blankets that my mother insisted I be wrapped in and he let me feel the warmth of the sun on my face and legs. He had placed a bird feeder on our porch, and we would sit there together as the birds darted in, picking up seeds one at a time. That red one is a cardinal, he'd tell me. That one over there is a blue jay. They don't like each other much. And he'd chuckle. What Dad did most was sing to me. He had a clear voice that seemed made for songs like Yesterday and I Want to Hold Your Hand. Dad loves the Beatles. No, there's no figuring out parents and why they like that stuff. I've always had a very good hearing. I remember listening to the sound of my father's car as he drove up our street, pulled into the driveway, rustled in his pocket to find his house keys. He tossed them on our bottom step, then I'd hear the sound of the refrigerator door open, twice. The first time, he'd get something cold to drink. The second time, he'd search for a huge chunk of 
Munster cheese. Dad loves cheese. He doesn't agree with his digestive system very well, though. Dad also has the loudest, stinkiest farts in creation. (laughs) I don't know how he manages to control them at work, or even if he does, but when he gets home, he let them loose, and as soon as he walked up the stairs, step, fart, step, fart, I'd be laughing by the time he got to my room, and he'd lean over to my bed and kiss me. His breath always smelled like peppermints. When he could, Dad read to me. Even though I knew he had to be tired, he'd smile, pick out a book or two, and I'd get to go to where the wild things are or to where the cat in the hat was making a mess. I probably knew the words by heart before he did. Good night, moon. Make way for ducklings. Dozen more. The words of every single book my father ever read to me are forever tucked inside. Here's the thing. I'm I'm ridiculously smart, and I'm pretty sure I have a photographic memory. It's like I have a camera in my head, and if I see or hear something, I click it, and it stays. I saw a special on PBS once on children who were geniuses. These kids could remember complicated strands of numbers and recall words and pictures in a correct sequence and quote long passages of poetry. So can I. I remember the toll-free number from every infomercial and the mailing addresses and websites too. If I ever need a new set of knives or the perfect exercise machine, I've got that information on file. I know the names of the actors and actresses of all the shows, what time each program comes on, which channel, and which shows are repeats. I even remember the dialogue from each show and the commercials in between. Sometimes I wish I had a delete button in my head. I have a television remote clicker attached to my wheelchair, very close to my right hand. On the left side, I have a remote for the radio. I have enough control in my fists and thumbs to push the button so that I can change the station, and I'm really glad of that. 24 hours of big-time wrestling or the home shopping station can drive a person nuts. I can adjust the volume and even play DVDs if someone has popped one in the player for me. Lots of times I watch Dad's old videos of me. But I also like the cable channels that talk about stuff like kings and the kingdoms they've conquered or doctors and the diseases they've cured. I've seen specials on volcanoes, shark attacks, dogs born with two heads, and the mummies of Egypt. I remember them all, word for word. Not that it does me a lot of good. Nobody knows it's there but me. Not even my mother, although she has this mom sense that knows I understand stuff. But even that has its limits. Nobody gets it. Nobody. Drives me crazy. So every once in a while, I really lose control. I mean, really. My arms and legs get all tight and lash out like tree limbs in a storm. Even my face draws up. I sometimes can't breathe real well when this happens. But I have to because I need to screech and scream and jerk. They're not seizures. Those are medical and make you go to sleep. Things, things, I call them my tornado explosions, are pieces of me. All the stuff that does not work, it's balled up and hyped up. I cannot stop. Even though I want to, even though I know I'm freaking people out, I lose myself. It can get kind of ugly. Once when I was about four, mom and I were in one of those superstores that sells everything from milk to sofas. I was still small enough to fit in the child seat in the front of the cart. Mom always came prepared and stuffed pillows on each side of me so I wouldn't tilt. Everything was fine. She tossed toilet paper and mouthwash and detergent into the cart. I looked around, enjoying the ride. Then, in the toy section, I saw them. Brightly colored packages of plastic blocks. Just that morning, I had seen a warning on television about that toy. They were being recalled because the blocks had been painted with lead paint. Several children had already been hospitalized with lead poisoning, the report had said. But there they were, still on the shelf. I pointed to them. Mom said, no, sweetie, you don't need those. You have enough toys. I pointed again and screeched. I kicked my feet. No, my mom said more forcefully, you're not going to have a tantrum on me. I didn't want the blocks. I wanted to tell her they were dangerous. 
I wanted to tell somebody to get them rid of them before a child got sick. But all I could do was scream and point and kick, so I did. I got louder. Mom rushed out the toy section and pushing the cart real fast. Stop it, she cried at me. I couldn't. It made me so angry I couldn't tell her. The tornado took over. My arms became fighting sticks. My legs became weapons. I kicked at her with my feet. I screamed. I kept pointing in the directions of these blocks. People stared. Some pointed. Others looked away. Mom got to the door of the store, yanked me out of the car, and left it with all of her selections sitting there. She was almost in tears when she got to the car as she buckled me in my seat and almost screamed at me, What is wrong with you? She knew the answer to that one, but she knew that it was not my usual behavior. I gulped, sniffed, and finally calmed down. I hoped the people at the store watched the news. When we got home, she called the doctor and told him about my crazy behavior. He sent a prescription for a, for a sedative, but Mom didn't give it to me. The crisis was over by then. I don't think my mom ever figured out what I was trying to say that day.